0: welcome back for episode three of the making things podcast recently i had the opportunity to sit down with tim and carol from horse and dragon brewing company in our conversation we talk about the story behind horse and dragon their many travels and its influence on the business production and packaging in the beer industry and much much more i hope you enjoy the conversation thanks carol and tim uh for joining us today um you guys want to introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, about you? Sure. sure. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to have you. Yeah.
1: Thanks for taking the time. Um, I'm Carol Cochran, and I'm Tim Cochran. And yes. And together we own Horse and Dragon Brewing Company in Fort Collins, Colorado. Yes. Um. And it's pretty much our whole lives right now. So we're not you <laughs> we don't have that much of interest uh, outside outside of it at the moment, which I think is probably true of a lot of small businesses.
2: Um. So we're better at introducing each other, I think. Carol grew up in Colorado. Um, Her grandparents uh, worked at CSU, so she had a a long-term connection with Fort Collins. Cool. Um, So she's been coming here her whole whole life. Um, And their family happened to have a little cabin up the Poudre Canyon, which is right up the the northern part of the Poudre River. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think, I mean, when I I first met Carol, we, uh, you know, we she said, oh, we're going to the Lazy D. I'm like, I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> I like, go, oh, we have to go see my par- my grandparents and then we'll drive up into the mountains. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But being from Oregon, you know, I expected a lot, of, a lot more green. Um, definitely the forest here is beautiful and I'm, I love it very much. Uh, but the first couple of times I went, I'm like, wait, there's no forest up here. What's the deal? <laughs> it's, it's, you guys call this a forest? It's not green and wet. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so you know, we have a long connection with Colorado. I would say, thankfully, I, you know, lucked out and, and found Carol and was able to, to come here and do that. Right. Uh, we met in college. and
1: uh, He may be more f- thankful for the mountains than he is for
0: me. but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Both are important.
2: No, yeah, definitely. But we met in college and uh, have lived in a bunch of different places around the world, as well as uh, spent a good chunk of time living in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which was great in the upper Midwest. But uh, definitely we're very happy to have an opportunity. Once we were deciding where we were going to put our brewery, uh, we looked at a couple of different locations, and we were really happy to be able to make it happen in Fort Collins. Absolutely.
1: And Tim grew up in Oregon, and as he says, we uh, met in college. And uh, at the time, I didn't realize that he was going to be a, a develop a career in business and be a really good business person. But over the years, that is what happened. And so I think it's always we are, but I think we're both a little bit risk averse. And it took us a, sure. a long, long time to commit to to going out on our own and op- opening a brewery. And, but uh, I will say that I felt a lot of confidence in his abilities to um, to at least shave the odds in our favor a little bit in terms of trying to anticipate and really study a market and um, have a solid business plan. There's it's still every day a little bit hard uh, in your throat, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah. but I think. He, he learned a ton throughout his his other jobs, and a lot of that has helped. And actually, a lot of the stuff that I did has helped in other ways. We have very different areas of expertise. Um, also helps. And yep. yeah, his largely related to the specifics of running a business. And mine, um, I thought unrelated to what we're currently doing. But as it turns out, there's so many situations where um, experiences that I had in my previous jobs have, have come to play. So right. we feel really lucky to be putting them to work putting toward horse back. and dragon. Yeah. yeah.
0: Did you guys have, have formal education then? Or yeah, go to school? Yeah, we
1: met, um, I have a lot more formal education than Tim. Yes, yeah, she does. <laughs>
0: i the least, uh, he has least decorated.
1: A, he says this often. I don't really, but um, we met at school in Stanford, uh, yep. at Stanford in California, and both graduated from there. Tim was in international relations, and my degree yep. is in human biology. And then we moved overseas following his job, and um, and then eventually I did a master's in secondary education through the University of Alabama, but I took all my courses in Bogota, Colombia. So I never have been to the campus. Right. <laughs> and as soon as I enrolled, as soon as I enrolled, Tim yeah. said, uh, "Can you get me student football tickets?" <laughs>
2: <laughs> and she said, "No, I don't know. That was really strange.
0: <laughs> like, Come on, we got to get something out of this." Right. Yeah, but. Uh yeah. Tim
1: actually started a master's degree when we were in Milwaukee, an MBA. At yeah. An international, was it called international MBA or something, or something international like that, business yeah. focused or something, and um, he ended up doing about a third of it and then his next class was a class in international business, and yep. he was going to have to miss one of the classes because he was on an international trip <laughs> to manage a business in an international market, and the professor said he couldn't take the class. Uh,
2: no, you need 100% attendance. I said, <laughs> yeah, okay, after I lecture one of these things. <laughs> Then, the, so, yeah, that was the, yeah, Marquette yeah. was great, I mean, it was really fun to get back into the academia after being, in, working for about 15 years, I right. just kind of went back to try it, to see if I could uh, finish an a in addition to working, so, yeah. didn't probably, happen. Though.
0: Probably a lot more valuable experience in your experiences and past work than, than what you get through that well I actually
2: did end up so. speaking to their courses later really yeah and they yeah, have done that that's at the CSU best. as well and so it's just sort of silly I bet so anyway. but still it's a it's, shame
1: I think because it was something that you wanted to do and, and yes. that's a silly way to have it derailed you know right and then he could have finished it but then he would have had to wait another year to take that course and he would have had the same problem the next year because he was traveling all the time yeah anyway so yeah. we so now I rub it in a little bit that I have a master's and he doesn't. <laughs> right. So my goal, yeah, my, none, uh, of, none of that actually helps us in the business, so it doesn't matter anyway. Well, but.
2: people have bucket lists, right? So one of my bucket list items now is to get a master's degree in something. So okay. I'm, I'm thinking I want to do art history so that I can live in Florence, Italy for a year or something like that. Right. That's really my yeah. goal. Yeah. Probably when I turn sixty or something. I don't know. We'll see. If we, we'll, see <laughs> if we can, we'll see if we can pull that out. But I, you know, I'll say, wait, I need to get my master's, so you know, yep. I have to live in Italy or something yep.
0: like that. Yeah.
2: We'll see.
1: Given that we just left for 10 days and it was very difficult to leave yeah, the business for yeah, 10 yeah. days, I We'll see me. how that happens. Yeah. Well, yeah, a year. We got to get <laughs> on much firmer footing by the time <laughs> you're <they're laughs> 60,
0: bud. Sure. So um, I know that the horse and dragon has a little bit of, of meaning for you guys. I did doing a little bit of homework on your website. Could you explain a little bit behind the, the meaning be- behind the horse and dragon? The name? Yeah, the name, yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. We um, spent about half our adult lives in Asia, where the dragon is a huge symbol, and, um, and half in the U.S. West, where the horse has done so much work. And uh, we think it sounds like a British pub. It, that name has a cadence of a British pub, and we've had really fun hours spent in British pubs everywhere in the world that we've lived. There's been a British pub with that sort of, like the pig and whistle, or the um, Thorn right. and crown. Or, and so we just think it sounds a little like a British pub. And uh, Tim's Year of the Horse, and I'm Year of the Dragon in the Chinese Zodiac. Okay, so for us, it just works on just several levels.
0: Worked out, yeah, yeah. I uh,
2: joke cool. around that if we were the year of the monkey and the snake, we probably wouldn't have used
1: that as a name. <laughs> so Although snake and monkey does snake have the and right monkey things. has really good and it has
2: good luck as well. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, we, but you know, it, the horse and the dragon seem to be decent ones that it work in English as well as in yeah. Chinese. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. I, I was telling a uh, tour group a couple of days ago that um when they when we we came back here to to work on the company and we had had that name and we had it and we had um, filed for trademark on it and we had um, worked with a graphic designer to develop a logo and we were pretty far along with committed to that name and i went back to finish the master's degree in columbia and one of the guys that was in my classes from china and he was like and he was asking how it was going and i said it was great and this is where we are and he said what's the name i said it's horse and dragon brewing company he said oh oh this has chinese meaning have you checked you know with a with a um Soothsayer. Su- it wasn't. He didn't. He didn't call it soothsayer, But anyway, like feng shui or something. Um. I wish I could remember the exact term <laughs> he used because it was it was pivotal to the story. But anyway, right. um. And I said, you know, no, uh, we haven't. <laughs> and he said, I'll write my mom tonight and uh, and she'll go to hers and, and check it out for you. And I wanted to say, I can't, don't tell me if it's bad news right. because we've we're too, way too involved. We, t- yeah. we have
2: t shirts, uh, everything's printed. We've already registered the trademark. So please don't tell if it's not good.
1: I didn't say that, but I was like, oh man, you know, if we've just cursed ourselves um, and uh, about. I don't know. I got back like here. The, co- and the course later. was over, so it took you know over a month to get the answer. But he forwarded to me that oh, it's actually very auspicious. It's a good business pairing, and <laughs> so that's, I was like, that's woof, good. That's, So We like that." that yeah. news, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. So you guys mentioned a lot of your travels. Uh, what what's been the the biggest takeaway that you fr- from your travels that you guys have brought back and applied uh, to your business? Would you say? Well, I guess... Well,
2: it, choosing one is difficult for me. Right. Know. You want yeah. you to go first so you
0: can, too many. if you have something.
1: I think um, one of the beauties of it, it's, it's really, it, running a small business is hard. It's a lot of um, hours, and it's a lot of uncertainty, and um, I'm, I think we're both pretty concerned about trying to pay our people enough to sure. live in this yeah. market, and we feel responsible for um, the way they make their living. Absolutely. And so that's a lot of, um, I would say, stress and strain... Yeah. But having experienced life in much bigger, with much bigger corporations and organizations, there's something really comforting about having it be almost like a family and being able to have some control, of course you don't have any control over the market, but right. some control over the business um, is, is very comforting. Just so it, it balances that strain of feeling responsible for, for people. Right. Um, And I think having that to contrast with a a pretty several years worth of of different experiences with different organizations that are much, much larger and being kind of a cog in those organizations, uh, I think that's a comfort. I take comfort in that.
2: Yeah. I would say the international piece, though, is I think the perspective of that I believe every everybody should have of of seeing something different. I mean, you yep. even mentioned that you've done the same thing in your life. You know, yep. moved away from where you grew up and your family, and just to see something different. I think that Absolutely. kind of experience is a human experience that that all of us need to have. Yep. You know, and a lot of us don't, especially yeah. as Americans, we're not really that good at it. Yep. But I feel like that's one of the things that change, and the you know we lived in sort of six or seven different countries, I suppose, and and having that kind of necessity of of uh building your life yep. okay the job piece is the easiest actually right, I mean, you right. get a job and at you have to do a, a different language sand, yeah. but uh <laughs> yeah it's kind of the same job but but having uh you know i think i was telling you earlier i think carol you know did a great job of when we would land somewhere we would become a local kind of or be be at least be comfortable never become never be a local, local but, yeah, but... but at least be comfortable and um and i think having those uh kind of that kind of it's not upheaval, but that those challenges of doing that move, you know, yeah. every a bunch of different times, um, has made us um, pretty resilient against challenges that happen here. So like yeah. we can do things here. We're in the same language. We know how to read the regulations, those types of things, and and we can, you know, we feel like we can we can um, make decisions, you know, um, that are that we're confident in. I mm-hmm. suppose. And that's kind of, a, that's the first time I've ever verbalized that. I suppose. That's so
1: funny. I don't feel confident in a lot of the decisions. Well, <laughs> I feel like just, it's yeah. throwing a dart right. at the board and hoping it sticks sometimes.
2: No, no. I mean, it's, but that, I think the approach is, that that's the international um, influence, I think, is that we're pretty um, flexible, I would say. And, right. And trying and, to, trying to look for solutions and knowing that there's something out there rather than if we made a challenge that, oh geez, we didn't think of this and then we fold. No, that never happens right. because you can't fold when you need food uh, or you need to get dinner ready or we need to get across the street or we need to get our car fixed or whatever in, sure. in Chinese. Yeah, you know, or something like that. So the, <laughs> right. I, I don't know, I feel like that that's probably, again, this is the first time I've ever really thought about it and verbalized what the international influence is on our business. Some people were asking when we first, before we opened, you know everybody the bit, first question is, when are you opening? second question is, what kind of beers are you going to make? And I'm like, dude, we don't even have a tank yet. (laughs) But we knew we wanted to make beers that were drinkable that we liked, right? That was kind of it. That was about as specific as we got. But a lot of people said, oh, are you going to have Asian-style beers? I'm like, so you've never been to Asia. I can tell because Asian-style beers. I mean, there's probably some ancient uh, ancient intoxicants uh, that aren't really called beer. Yep. but really, I mean, they drink a lot of light lagers as well. Sure. So, so there's a lot of German influence, I suppose, in in parts of Asia. So, you know, we we're like, well, there's not really an Asian style beer. So, want that part of it, you know, the the product wasn't influenced necessarily by our travels right. or our or living overseas. But I think the approach. Although some is, of the um,
1: like the, I will say, some of the ingredients that we've tried to source, it's been helpful to. That's have, true. To have a broader, have broader range. Yeah. Of other so flavors and things.
2: Yeah. Well, we uh, even what they use in, in food, or we use like we one of our favorite beers that we ever make. We make it for our anniversary every year. Is our passion fruit IPA, and the passion okay. fruit. I mean, we have that in Colombia almost every day. You know, our yeah. daughter's like, "Oh, you're doing passion fruit." You know, maracuya. Yeah, that's so funny because they <laughs> would eat it or drink the juice almost every day because it's fresh fruits in Colombia, which people don't really think about. But it's a pretty
1: and actually the the passion fruit that, that we source for that beer is from Colombia and. When, we, when our um, head brewer want, said she wanted to do that uh, that combo, first off, I thought it was a pretty weird combo because I love IPAs and I love passion fruit, but I had never thought of them together. Right. And I think because I didn't know enough about the various different types of hops, um, they, she chose hops that just married so well with the fruit that it's fantastic. But in my mind, the hops I was thinking of, the flavor profile I was thinking of would have been more of a clash. But sourcing the fruit, she was having trouble finding it. And I'm like, I'll go to one of the Mexican grocery stores and, and find them. it because yep. I know they have it frozen, you know, just to play around with as an experimental. Yep. And then when we went to source it, we specifically looked for –
2: Colombian uh, – Colombian fruit, fruit, you
1: know. Um. Yeah, so that's like a minor way that it's influenced. And I think also like knowing that there's a gazillion different type of types of people in the world that have like a gazillion different values and they're not always going to match up with you and yep. – that's always helpful in in business and in life and and that's just um right in your face if you uh, travel or live overseas at all sure. you know
0: yeah yeah i think that's that's really cool i know uh for me moving is a lot of anxiety even in the us so yeah, right. the fact that you guys move seven times overseas that's that's pretty crazy so
2: First time was easy because it was just the two of us, and yeah. we were going to Hong Kong. It's, it's a city, so it's like kind of going, "Hey, wow, we're going to a big city." It's like you moved to Chicago <laughs> or New yeah, York. It's yeah. still weird. Like it the money is money's weird, different,
1: yeah. and you don't even know how to get a cab. And well, that you was, know, again.
2: Like, that was in the 20th century before you were born. <laughs> yeah, right. So that was when we had money. Right. We didn't use cards for everything. We didn't have phones. Right. Actually,
1: legit, we didn't. That was a really strange and any like trailing spouse that they call, because I didn't have a job when we moved over there. Yep.
2: I was following for like, his job.
1: Ten and um, any trailing spouse can tell relate to this story, but it was the first time that I didn't have my own source of income. Right. And um, and so I was really reliant on Tim, and it was a cash economy, because they didn't take cards. I couldn't use my local, like, my bank account at all. This was back in the day. Yeah, man. it was, I mean, yeah. It's the, very like, weird. Like, the that grocery that stores didn't even take credit cards, you that know? That's crazy. So, um, so I had to ask him for cash, which was the weirdest experience. To be right. like, Hi, Forgotos, I'm right. a kept person and can yeah. i please can have, I have some four
2: money? more of those red ones and six blues
0: <laughs> right yeah it's one thing with the card where you don't actually see it yeah but i think the tangible like hey yeah <laughs> and strange. you have to
2: take it out of the wallet and hand it over like she sh- yeah. she couldn't get i think i ended up giving you the the atm card that was the big and there's one atm machine that we passed uh, that yep. we could run over to it's not like they were on every corner
1: sure
2: very funny <laughs> That was weird. And it
1: wasn't that long ago, but the world has changed so much. Thing. And actually there was, I mean, I'm sure the internet existed, but not for us. Right. Al Gore was just inventing it or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, but, Jerry uh, definitely is working on stuff. Yeah, exactly. But, but we didn't have, like, we didn't even have email when we moved over there. So, like, we'd call yep. probably once a month or so, maybe. But it was a hugely expensive phone call to make, and you had right. to do it from a specific line, like our home line or whatever. You couldn't just, like, call on your mobile phone. Right. And, or text yeah, or whatever. You can, can FaceTime. And- yeah. <laughs> right. Wrote, While you're walking yeah. around. Yeah. Wrote letters, you know.
2: Well, and even in the business, it was we were faxing. That was the big deal. Oh, we have to send all of our faxes. Okay, put the faxes that you need sent on this table, and then someone will come and fax them for you. And then they'll bring you your faxes the next day. And then we transitioned to email. That was the amazing. We're right. like, right. whoa, really? We can just send that? It's that's like fantastic. It it's like amazing.
1: Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting time to think about because our lives are not like that at all, you right. know
0: yeah but it seems
1: like the dark ages of communication
0: sure yeah but it's uh it's cool to see that you guys still find find time to travel even now that you're you're crazy busy there was a good portion in there
2: when we first started the company in that first year where we didn't do anything and we so people were sending us pictures of our our t-shirts or our sweatshirts in different locations when they would travel and like this, we're doing this because this is how we're going to be able to see the world now. Because we're not going to be able to leave these <laughs> tanks my here, through, yeah. yeah, live vicariously through others. Yeah. So we, we kind of started this little wall. We still do that when people send a picture, yeah, like with Cars and dragons right.
1: stuff on it. We'll I'll, I'll look up exactly where they are and yeah, you know.
2: Well, cool. a couple of years ago, so we were about four years in, I suppose. We finally, you know, these friends of ours kind of were pushing us and saying, "Okay, we're going to go and we rented a house. You got to come and come with us." And that was the first time that we had traveled uh, again internationally in and that we all also discovered that traveling internationally is a lot better than trying to take a weekend in Fort Collins, which we sure. we started to try to do on Mondays. You know, we take Monday It uh, yep. doesn't work. <laughs> you if understand. you're if you're here, yeah. you're here. Yeah, and and uh, so you know, we I don't know, we we're getting better at the travel piece, I guess. Once every now and then we'll leave, but we have to That's leave the country fun. kind of to shut off a <laughs> little bit, Completely disconnect. Yeah. Right.
0: Sure. Sure. Well. Uh, you guys have a beautiful place here. Um, what What's the uh, – you, you mentioned the team aspect of um, a brewery. It really feels like a family. Uh, wh- is that the best part, or what, what would you say is the best part about operating a brewery?
1: You want me to go first? Yeah, I feel I do. like I'm always going first. Yeah.
2: No, I, I can't wait to hear this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love – well, I love the product itself. Yeah. Um, the you know, just the taste of it and the experience of it but, um, but what I really love about it is that it brings people together in so many different ways you can see that here in the tasting room you know, people walk in with, uh, by themselves or just with a friend and then next thing you know they're talking to someone else at the table or the bar yeah. about what they're drinking and then that leads to conversations about other things um, we see that in our accounts So we, you know, when we go out to visit them there are always people that are relating to each other in the right. accounts, I love that and the, the biggest way I think we see it is that the number of donation requests we get yeah. because it really helps to have our product and probably any other alcoholic product yeah. at a fundraiser for s- stuff that people really believe in. I feel like there, there are um, organizations in this community that are doing much harder work than we are. Yeah. Um, and I don't say that lightly because I feel like we're working really hard, but we're working hard to make a luxury product, right? right. They're working hard to like cl- correct the ills of society, right. Right. and they want to have our product at their at their fundraisers where they're doing some doing big things. heavy lifting. Yeah. yeah, I love that about
0: it.
2: I don't know. So the question is, what was the question again? So what, what's, what's the your, best thing about it?
0: Yeah, what's your favorite part about
2: Favorite part is hard. again. I mean, I'm not very good at um, prioritizing favorites. Right. I don't believe in extremes. So. Shall
1: I tell sure. you, tell them what you always tell everyone else your favorite part? Okay.
2: Oh yeah. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. In terms of operations, my favorite part is delivering beer. Actually, okay. <laughs> I like going into an account and taking a keg. I And yes. just having everybody be happy. That's cool. You know, it's a, it's like that's why you start it. I mean, it's everything is based around that. Our whole company and the whole family that we're building is based on people saying yes I would like to buy that product from you and I want to sell it and be happy selling it so it's pretty cool dropping off kegs so I was able to do that yesterday so I do that less and less than I did in the beginning Uh, but yeah I got to take one yesterday I was pretty happy yeah so that's easily from a specific standpoint that's easily my favorite favorite. task I would say Uh, but my favorite part about it is really building a team to to um, have a product that people will like and want and a quality product in the community um, I think that's really cool. You know, we talked about team a little bit and about the family, and it, as we got to this size, which is not huge at all, but there's definitely people doing their roles, and then everybody kind of uh, benefits from it. Right. I think it's really cool.
1: Yeah, and and everyone is really interdependent, whether or not they realize it, interdependent. Because uh, right. there's there's very little overlap on the jobs. There's we don't have that. As I said, we have eight full time employees, and everybody is doing something vital to the success oh, of the right. business. Yeah. So there's nobody who's just clocking in, clocking out. You yeah. know. And that's, that's interesting. And the family aspect is good. I, it's good, but it's a, it's a conscious decision by us because it's not for everyone, you know. Yeah. And, and I think it chafes on some people and they choose to move on. And that is totally fine. But, um, but the first time that happened, we had a really serious discussion over the course of about two weeks about if we wanted to operate more like a corporation, because obviously we both came from those types of environments, so we could try to do that. But and and we made a conscious decision to continue to operate more like a dysfunctional family than a right. dysfunctional <laughs> corporation. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, very cool. So a little bit of a tangent. Um, but so when I when I moved here, one of the things that a lot of my friends uh, told me was the sad panda coming in the twenty four was it twenty four ounce cans? Uh, it was originally? bottles, twenty two ounce bottles. bottles. Twenty two ounce bottles. Um, and they said they were so happy when you guys went to a to a 12 ounce can so it wasn't such a commitment when you when you open one all right so could you guys talk to the the transition a little bit of going the packaging of the packaging and going from a bigger to a to a smaller can
2: you bet i mean the you know the i don't know we can do business strategy if you want to but really i mean the idea was that we wanted to launch in package after we'd already established our our company a little bit i mean i would say we're not established By far in a lot of ways (laughs) yet but um we wanted to we wanted to launch in bombers honestly because that is the slowest moving packaged product right we wanted to make sure that we could do the quality and translate the quality that we have in kegs into a packaged product i joked around with somebody and again the same guy i was talking to yesterday morning that i told you about but said so you know when you have it in a keg we keep it cold we Ship it to somebody who keeps it in a cooler. They tap it and then you drink it and it's really fresh and great.
1: And we pay to clean their lines. We pay to clean their lines so the lines
2: are clean. We know you're going to get a good delivery. We know it's stored in a fridge. Right. And uh, when you put it into a package, then you rely on other people to do stuff like right, that. And right. if they leave it in their trunk in the middle of August for a couple of weeks, I forgot about that. It's underneath the the blanket. Oh yeah. I'm going to put it in here and then put, I'll put it in my cooler. Yeah. Chill it. Oh, but it's not, I'm not going to, I need room on my cooler, so I'm going to take it out and put it back in the trunk while I'm taking it over to my friend's house. Yep. It's going to heat up again. So you're <laughs> relying on other people to take care of the product. Right. Yep. So we knew that we wanted to make sure that our product could stand up to kind of Bigger, you have know, bigger challenges, sure. which is the package piece, yeah. and so we wanted to start with a, a small, um, the small turn package to make sure that we can actually get it into the into the package in a quality way and maintain that quality of beer. So and we also did quality checks.
1: Partners that you, do, right, right. I think I mentioned when that's we were a part, a tour yeah, earlier yeah. that the we, that's a whole new line of um, partners Customers, for us yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. is is liquor stores sure. and because we were accustomed to the relationships we had with bars and restaurants. So that was another piece that, that we weren't eager for it to, not that it would have been massive, but it would have been a lot bigger if we had started in a 12 package ounce package, yeah, because sure. they order a lot more right. of those. Yeah. And we wanted to make sure that we could actually supply them and, right. and be reliable for them. We
2: never, never want to be the uh, bad supplier. So we wanted right. to make sure that if we built these relationships with these these um, partners, that we could supply them with the product. So it was a, kind of a twofold, right? You want to make sure that the product is high quality enough and will work over time in a package but secondarily that we can meet the demand. So that's why we started in a larger pack. And then right. we moved to 12 ounce um, cans uh, beginning of this year and, and it's, it's grown really well. I think the quality is great. We're still doing quality checks all Although the time. I still
1: would say, don't leave it in your trunk. No, no, yeah. No, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. No, yeah. We no do guarantee tell people if you take it out of the fridge, Yeah, we'd say when you buy it,
2: drink off. it, you know, and uh, or put it in the fridge for sure. And uh, so, you know, we just don't want to, you want to have quality product all the time. And we believe we have a great, great set of, a range of products. And, uh, and so that was kind of the, the thinking around launching right. with 22-ounce into our first uh, liquor store channel uh, package and then yeah. going to 12-ounce. It's
0: a great way to, to vet out your idea before, totally. before you totally. just go fall into it. Right.
1: So. And presumably um, presumably it'll be an investment that the machinery will be an investment that continues to contribute to the business, although we, we discussed earlier how we're currently having a little problem with it. but. Um, we'll always uh, want to have some beers in bombers that yep. barrel each product or, yep. um, super special releases uh, or releases. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. So we knew that we were going to need that, um, that vehicle in the long run anyway. Right. Yep. So it was a nice That's way really to start to the, yeah. Start the package product. Site, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Very cool. So as far as you, you talk a little bit about, about vetting out your ideas, um, how do you guys estimate how much, how much of your beer to make? I, I, I'm sure that's probably a, a, a pretty big challenge. Of you know, h- how much do we think we can sell? Did,
2: yeah. Well, you definitely learn as you go, right? right. Um, the world I came from was quite much larger. Yeah. So a lot more zeros at the end of things, <laughs> and, um, and I think that was the you know the first year, probably two years, is uh, really figuring out. Um, how we work in a batch production system. I mean, mm-hmm. I can talk to you about this because you you lived it with your uh, with your own family. But, yep. you know, it's a it's really a batch production system. So we can't say, okay, this week I'm going to make 10, and next week I'll make 12, right. and then I'll make 13. No, you right. make you make 15 barrels, and you're then right. you make 30 <laughs> barrels. So you make twice as much, a double amount. So increased production by 100%. So I think we definitely have a much better sense of it now than we did from the beginning. Um, at the beginning, we were making 15 barrel batches and kind of just seeing how it went, and then and yep. we planned our, our production around around that. Um, we've made something like 700 different batches of beer, something like that, over five years, and That's crazy. and um, so we're getting better at it. I would say uh, it's never a perfect science yep. because of that batch system, right. but we are getting a little bit better at uh, predicting uh, new brands. Usually, with a new brand, we won't do a double batch; we'll just do one batch and see how it goes. You know, yep. and um, feel like we have enough people on our team that can give input before we start making beers to say yeah this is something that we might want to do in terms of style and the pro we i trust honestly the brewers i trust them 100 percent that they will do a great a great beer Mm -hmm. i've never ever had any any of our brewers ever say i want to do this and i'm like no that's not going to sell i've never had that i mean it's always like i want to make this i'm like well you've thought about it too because they have they have a vested interest in it working also if they want to make something different because it's not a cheap investment, right? No. One one right. batch of beer is a ton of um, not only just specifics on uh, on ingredients and time and, and but it's labor and and all and Cooperage all these other and things. Space space and space, so yeah. it takes up a lot of resource. So you, I don't think they take it lightly either when they say I want to try something new.
1: Right. And our uh, our lead salesperson, we have uh, three salespeople, and he, the our lead guy has been with us since before we opened. And he also is a prolific and and avid home brewer himself. So he understands a lot about um, beer styles and recipe creation. And he's out in the market every day. Mm -hmm. So I think any – well, our whole team talks to each other because we're so small. We see each other all the time. Um, But he has a pretty good relationship with the brewers, I think. So he and Tim and one of the brewers will uh, will sit down and talk about what he sees in the market as potential – you know what has potential, where there might be a hole that that we could fill, or um, what's what uh, specific trends he's right. seeing, um, food wise or menu wise, that we could brew something to complement. And then sometimes the so sometimes the idea will come from him, sometimes from Tim, sometimes from one of the brewers.
2: Yeah, Josh, our head brewer, has often said, "Hey, I'm thinking of making this," or I, "I've always liked this style. I want to try it." The only input I usually give on that is timing. Like, okay, so if you want to do a Czech style Pilsner, let's not do that in December. You know, let's do that in, let's do that in Did uh, he say that, Ge- that? Or was that he you saying, please, <laughs> can I have well, a style I like style the Pilsner? style a lot, but he, I mean, maybe he knew that. Maybe that's why he said it, but that was his idea. But, you know, or we're saying, oh, we're doing a big stout. Let's not launch that in July. You know, maybe right. we'll launch, you know, big imperial stout. Let's launch it in the, in the winter. Something like that. I mean, timing is a little bit sometimes yep. an input that I give. But the other side is we we do we have made a lot of beers that are driven by um, consumers. I mean, like Carol was talking about the ability of a a brewery and this product that we make um, to to help contribute to the community. You know, a lot of people ask us for donations to nonprofits, and they're raising money for great causes that we support. One of the uh, one of the things that we've occasionally done, and we don't do very often, but uh, if it's a big one like water or or um, I don't know illiteracy literacy right. for Promoting literacy programs, we will donate a brew, so if people bid on that in a silent auction sure. or in a live auction even, and they bid on it and donate that money into the into the nonprofit. We're pretty happy because that's very different than here's a glass and a growler fill, right? Yeah, you know, that's you know fifty dollars or whatever, but someone might bid thousands of dollars to be able to brew on our system. And, and name beer. the
1: beer and have a party cool. with their friends. So when they if that happens, it. we're
2: driven by their kind of wants and needs. Like what kind of, you know, usually we have a meeting with them or talk to them at least by email, depending on where they are. But, you know, what kind of beer would you want to make? And yeah. what are you thinking of? And honestly, it's a hard question. People think they can come up with something great that they like. And then you start asking them the right questions and they say, oh, well, I don't, yeah, well, you know, I mean, yep. definitely people don't have in mind, oh, I know I want to make my, you know, my favorite uh, Belgian red <laughs> ale and age it for seven minutes in a, in this kind of barrel and then move it over. Nobody knows the detail. Yep. They kind of go, I like beer. You know, so, yep. so we come up with ideas with them. Usually that's, it's obviously it's a joint thing with the uh, the brew. you know, Josh will talk to them and and then we talk with Luke, who's our sales guy that Carol was mentioning and say, you know, is this something that we might be able to sell if we make a big batch of it? Yep. Um, and usually it's, you know, we're in beer. It's not, we're not making, like I said, usually it's not uh, Belgian style, something that we don't know how to make or that we haven't done. Josh can make any beer. And I think do it well, but... but uh usually we try and steer them a little bit to something that might work in the market if we're going to make a full batch. Sure. Because they say, oh, we're going to have a party, though. Like, okay, that's two so kegs that's, out of yeah, 30. a keg and a half. Yeah. So, so, a so we, have, we have 28 kegs that we need to sell somewhere else. So is that cool? And they're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Okay, cool. So we try and work with them. And it, and it works pretty well, actually. It's that. been
1: some of the most fun, it's I think, fun that we've yeah. had is working with those people. And it gives, it
2: gives Josh a chance to experiment on stuff that he's thought about maybe, like at this type of yeast or maybe another type of hop or something that we want to look at. And it gives us a chance, him a chance to be a little bit more experimental in those types of things. And we've done that with just on beers, just in general. If we don't have a have a, a charitable thing coming up, but if it's, you know, we need to have another offering in the in the lineup, that gives them a chance to either either Josh or one of the other brewers, Rob or Doug, can say, hey, what about this? You right. know, and we do those styles. So at the volume that we are now doing a 15 barrel batch of one of those experimental beers is still doable. Sure. So that's kind of answering your question in the yeah, longest way yeah, possible. Yeah, that helps a lot. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you start with volumetrics. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah.
0: Le- like you were saying, I, I think it's it's abstract for, for people like me or a lot of others to take take an idea for a beer and turn it into something tangible. Right. I know I- I'm looking at a lot of physical products and how can I make this thing that fits with another part, but when it's something more abstract like a beer I think that's uh, a little bit more difficult to wrap your head around right right um, and, and
2: it is I mean and people, people say oh what you know we also get on the other end of it is from historic beers we've made 170 different beers or something like that since we opened there's <laughs> definitely people that walk in and say hey so a couple of years ago I had one of your beers it was at this place and I don't know <laughs> the place or you know maybe in Littleton or something I don't know I had one of your beers and it was at I think it was a raspberry with the chocolate and the, i know with the beer i'm like oh yeah sure and they go why don't you make that again <laughs> i don't know we just you know, <laughs> we just didn't make it again or it didn't happen Yeah, have, you know, it's not like it wasn't good or anything yeah. it's just yeah you but know, that was a trial we just it was a one-off right. or whatever you want to call it we could
1: but there are if i was marketing that, it
2: properly i would call it a limited release yeah. probably oh that was a limited release Yeah. You know, like it gives it some halo or something but
1: there are a few that we get a ton of requests for and that we probably we'll look should at, yeah, again. We'll yeah. look at making some more. Of, but. but then there are these random ones that, you know, you'll you'll hear about from one or two people, you know, oh, that was <laughs> like I from five years
2: ago, yeah, yeah. You know, from the first year or second yeah, Let me year, go hit then. the magic
0: button. And yeah. Yeah. How yeah, many would you be like? You want three it, yeah. pints? Cool. Yeah, we will going do that. Uh, can pints, you make that yeah. while I wait?
2: I want to get a growler of that like, oh, yeah, that'll take a that'll take four weeks. Yeah. Yeah, at
1: least. I think most people get that. I, yeah, but, they do. Once you explain
2: just, it, they kind of go, oh, yeah. I and guess. I
1: think it's nice that they remember some of the beers. Sure. You know?
2: Very cool. It's very cool. And often it gives us a reminder of, oh, yeah, we should probably make that again. Right. So we've done that a couple times.
0: What, so. What's some some of the, the ones that you've gone back and, and made?
2: Well, uh, again, I think our process is, if I call it a process, that sounds really, really um, organized. But <laughs> I think our process is, is honing a little bit because we have a, a set. Um, amount of beers that we're making that we already yeah. know right so last year like the uh, the like the check Pills is a great example he made that last year kind of as a one-off just a trial brand and and we were like wow this is great I think we should do this so this year we made that one of our core brands mm-hmm. and made you know a number of batches over time we have it in package really as well cool. as uh, yeah. as well as on tap
1: the same with the Dragonfire started that way. Our yep. Imperial Stout, we did that just as a one-off. And Try then it,
2: and it was where I, could, yes, do this again. So we, yep. you know, it was it, it kind of hits or misses. It doesn't usually miss though. It's usually kind of like, okay, well that worked okay, but were we all jacked it's up? It's interesting because it I not? think
1: about the number of times. I shouldn't actually. No, now I'm thinking we have to have a meeting after this <laughs> <laughs> brand planning meeting. I think about the number of beers that we don't make again because there's. It always takes a little bit of time for a beer to build up some traction because a brand new beer. No, of course, no one's ever tried it, so right. it doesn't have a fan base.
2: Including yeah. our people serving it and behind the tasting yeah. counter, yeah.
1: And we don't have a marketing. I mean, we have zero dollar marketing budget because we decided we'd rather donate with the funds that we would have put toward marketing. And then that's a sort. That's a sort of marketing, I guess. It's yeah. like showing the community you care about it. But so we don't have a. We never launch a marketing campaign about a new beer except for posting it on social media right so what i think about it the number of beers that people liked and sold well that we maybe should have um continued making but it's just that there we have a limited amount of um tank space and a limited amount of brew days and there just wasn't room in the schedule for it but maybe i mean we have so many recipes now that we could be done inventing for the rest of time. Well, we don't want to. <laughs>
0: no, but it's fun to It's
2: trying new things and having new beers almost on all the time. Like here in the tasting room with our 12 brands, usually it's a pretty simple, even balance between our core brands and seasonals that we know and we have often. Yep. Probably 50-50 with new brands that are one-offs that are, or it's a special, I'm going to use the so it's a it's a one selected a limited brand. release. It's a limited yeah. release.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you just got to. Limited do release. <laughs> like, we're starting to market right here on this podcast. But that's
2: part of craft. I mean, and that's a that's I believe that's the role of small breweries is we're supposed to be trying new things and doing different things because we do you know, compared to um, larger companies that if they test something they're trying to test it and they do research and they might pay yep. people to tell them what they think and then they go into rolling into full on production, but. We just are doing things because we like beer and we want to try new beers and try new things that right. go along with our core brands as well. But just try something different. Oh, new hops come out. Or we did one with a new yeast that's just recently available in the U.S. Uh, we did a couple beers with that yeast. Interesting. Yeah, cool. We might not do another one, but we might. Yep. But we got to try it, you know, because yep. we're that size and, and it worked. It? Yeah,
0: that's
1: yeah, when it's that, much easier when you're small to, yeah. do, to do, do stuff that like that.
2: Stuff. And it's yeah. part of the role of, this, of the you know 6,000 breweries that we were talking about, the tail of the craft brewing industry that we're in
0: right yeah that's the, the the fun part of being 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 small you're able to be agile and, and try yeah. different things and right yeah
2: and so it's not absolutely. always about hey let's try it and see if we can blow it up no that's not that's usually I've never even
1: said it's that phrase before. Of it, right. yeah.
2: yeah it's more like hey let's try this cool that sounds well, good actually our yeah. business
1: would probably benefit if we, <laughs> <laughs> if we devoted a little more t- thinking to that well, what <laughs> you do then, it afterwards though?
2: like what should we make that again that's a lot often a conversation should we make it we did that last year okay so yeah there was a he made this pineapple ginger lager again he wanted to make it like, yeah try it who knows great it's a a light beer for summer great beer goes great with food in the summer if you're having a burger it's a really a nice combo for that refreshing but still has some stand-up flavor to it and it blew out. It like, went really, really fast. Like, well, I guess people like that, and we all like it. So let's make some more of that. Right. You know? So, and this year became one of our seasonals. So. But
1: it's funny, I think, because we're so small and pretty insular. Uh, yeah. The ones that are rebrewed most often are are the ones because our team likes <laughs> right. it. You know. <laughs> so like, I think of the the disfrute, the pineapple ginger lager that Tim's talking about. I think it was Liz who was like yeah. telling the brewer, "You have to brew that again. You yeah. know, just, I love that beer." And so it gets to be brewed again. Right. And there's not a great strategy to it. There is. But.
2: There is. It's behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: a big secret. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> this is what I'm doing at Very my desk. Very well thought out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. So you, you talked a little bit about uh, marketing through um, through the charities and that type of stuff. Um in social media, is that your your main? Yeah, we don't avenue? actually
1: look at the charities as a way to market. Okay. Um, but I said that because I think people could look at it that way. Right, sure. When I say that yeah. we don't have a marketing budget, we do have a pretty um, like last year we d- donated three percent of our top line revenue to to charitable um, to to nonprofits, and so that's a pretty. Uh, hefty budget if you if we were thinking about about it as budget but we don't really think about it that way we right. just the requests come in and we have we've asked our team what what charitable interests they have so if something is specifically related to one of those charities that comes in then we'll try and do something a little bit more than just um get our name out there with them you know we'll sure. do something bigger up to and including those brews um so we don't really look at that as a as a marketing team we look at it as this is something that that we feel is worthy of support Which is so well, we great. should do things are I mean, we it.
2: believe it. Exactly. it's yeah. part of our as part of our company I mean our company pillars the fourth one is be proactive members of our community not just active or reactive right we want to make sure that we're part of it and we believe the product that we have can do that I used to you know one a million years ago one of the jobs I had I joke around with the sales guys I'm like yeah I sold toilet paper so People don't come and ask, "Can you donate some toilet paper for a charity auction?" You know, or right, can, we right. char- "Can we have some? Can we have some toilet paper for our people that are going to be donating money to us?" No, or volunteers. You know, we would like to have. we like to give appreciation you know, we like
1: a, event for them and give them each a roll of a toilet roll paper.
2: paper. You know, it just doesn't happen. I mean, and so this product line, we're pretty lucky that we can leverage that and be contributive to to, to causes that we believe in, and and part of a community that's that we all live in. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. But so then the marketing—the only way to find out really what we're doing is to follow us on social media. And even then, our posts go to like one, two hundredth of the number of followers that we have. right? Because we don't pay to boost them usually. Yeah. Unless, unless we do, we have boosted some events, especially if they're related to a charity. Um, but yeah, we don't really have a, a, a marketing strategy. Oh, <laughs> well,
2: I would say that, see I don't think that's true. But I, I would say the other piece that we do in the in the market is we do festivals. Yep. Now, the festival and events, I would say festivals and events, because that range is really huge. People think when you say a beer festival, someone will say, oh, and everybody in their mind has the idea of what that is. It might be Great American Beer Festival, or it might, which is the big one in Denver that's the national um, craft brewing thing. Yep. People might say that when I say festival. Or they might go, oh, that's the one that's the Colorado Beer Festival. They're all beer, A bunch of breweries there, and they're giving out beers and tasters, and, and we pay for a ticket, and we go to that. Yep. And those happen around for sure, and we're involved in some of those. But then there's also neighborhood festivals that yep. don't focus on beer, but they want to have beer at the at the event, um, or beer or other other um, other offerings. So um, I feel like there's a, a decent range, and then events as well. I mean, like we joked around about the, but really it's it's true even at a corporate level. If someone's doing, oh, we're doing a meeting, and after the meeting we want to have a happy hour, sure. can you do that? And we work with them for that. So there, there's a, a range of places where, and I would consider those more marketing opportunities i sure. guess in a in more classic sense yep. um they're not always in those cases it's not always the nonprofits that's definitely one element of it that's almost separate for us but then people say hey can you guys come and pour beer at our happy hour for our people after we finish up our our day long training yeah. Yeah. or whatever yeah. um so so there's there's a range of 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 interactions you know, again if you get back to the marketing textbook it says interactions with consumers we have those mm-hmm. in event formats whether that be a festival that's traditional beer festival go drink which we're doing less of honestly but then more of the other ones that are more of a multifaceted sort of deal like a food festival yep. um or you know or a neighborhood festival there's one South Gaylord Street in in uh, in Denver that we know that's they're trying to build the the community around their main street you know mm-hmm. and so they have a festival there with music and a bunch of businesses open, and then they also have some um, some refreshment as well. So it's it's we're part of it rather than it be a beer focused event. Sure. So it varies across the range, you know, and and I think that would be more of our as close as we get to traditional marketing right. would be that type of uh, that type of activity. Whereas the and then the social media, of course, is a, a you know, in my world, that's a relatively recent thing. You know, the last sort of five years ish, yeah. it's become really really dramatically. Um, invasive in people's lives doesn't mean that it's bad or good. It just, it's hard to measure how yep. that impact is. It's much like, um, the traditional old media, were word back in my old days, you know, Oh, we have a TV ad. I'm like, cool. So what does that do for our sales? Right. You know, do we know that we can do research, you know, and have a, have a focus group and talk to people about what, why they make decisions. they probably won't be truthful in my mind. I mean, I'm very right. much a, a linear thinker. And I'm kind of like, if you ask somebody, did you see our ad? They say yes. Did that make you buy the product? And they say, yeah. They don't know. You <laughs> right. don't know. I mean, I think right. people just, you know, the psychology of human uh, interactions is, is deeper than a linear link to a TV ad. Yep. Maybe awareness, yeah. And those types, those types of things for sure. The science of marketing for yep. sure. You know, awareness and, and then activations of those awareness. That's fine.
1: But, but we don't invest in that at yeah, all. We, we, we don't. won't. We can't. I've never, I don't even understand um, Google AdWords and all this stuff. I don't know <laughs> right. how to analyze right. how, how well that, would be doing and we do and the print we get asked I don't know once a week to advertise in some print, print form yep. and I, I'm sure that some of them are effective but I have no way of figuring no, out how no, we're and we're of not. course they're all about their distribution but I'm like we get stuff dropped off here that has ads in it they drop off 50 copies and that's part of their distribution and we put them in the recycling I call them all the time and say please please don't waste the one produce. copy <laughs> right. you know and we'll share it around the top room and everyone can read it if, it, if it's out yeah. but so it's so I think it's really hard to um, at our design scale, sure. a marketing yeah. campaign yeah. that would be effective you know yeah
2: at our scale it's yeah. definitely so we believe in in the activities the last piece I would say on, on, on if you want to do traditional marketing and events is um, we work with our customer base so a lot of our restaurants and bars to do pairings so we do a beer dinner or we will work with someone who's doing a uh, maybe a, a beer menu for a, a month-long beer menu, where we're one of the you know, we're one of the courses we pair with one of their appetizers or something, and then other breweries or other beverages pair with other things. So we'll definitely work with that. We believe our beer goes well with food, and uh, and we try and make that happen. You know, we think that's one of the best parts about craft is that we have great flavor profiles that can go with almost any style of food, and we we think we do a decent job with that. And so we want to make sure that we have those opportunities and give those to to consumers. But again, this is pretty. Again, in a, in a true marketing sense, this is pretty one-to-one marketing. It's what someone in a big company would call, oh, that's grassroots. Right. But yeah. well, that's what we pay that's for, good. and that's what we are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. we, we, don't, we can't buy media. You know, it's yeah. just it's uh, because, A, because we just don't know how effective it's going to be, and B, it's quite expensive compared to how we can activate with real consumers that we know like like our products and introduce yeah. them to our new brands or whatever it is. Yeah, and
0: I, I know some, some of my friends that introduced me to your beers, it seems that the people who do drink it are passionate about it and, well, and they want to tell hear. their friends about a good beer. Um, so, right. That's, th- and, that's and, great that's another, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully so, that
2: continues. Let's keep that
0: going. Yeah. So you, you mentioned about, um, about food pairings with beer. Do either of you have a favorite, a favorite pairing of any of your beers with the food that you would recommend? Favorite? So, I, I would say I, I, I'm yeah. asking Again, a lot of favorites. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's that's tough. <laughs> Come up with I think our list.
1: picnic rock pale ale goes with almost every food I've tried, including desserts. It's okay. a it's a hoppy pale, and I love it. And um, I would order it with anything. Okay. Literally anything. Okay. Cheeses. I've had it with you know cheeses, salads, desserts, meats. It's awesome.
2: Yeah. Well, you call it a hoppy pale. I think it's a pretty traditional American pale that has some nice citrus notes on it. That the beer she's talking about, picnic rock pale ale, is a great beer. And it really does pair well with a lot of different beers, a lot it of different tastes, foods.
1: Actually, it tastes different um, depending on what you're eating, you know. And so sometimes it'll be really have a lot of floral notes, and then sometimes it'll be very orangey. Hey, um, so it's uh, it, it, the food can change the beer, but it's always delicious. Right. I love it. And uh, so my
2: favorite beer that we have. I mean, if anybody says, what's your favorite beer? I say, you know, usually the one that I have in front of me because I can have another pint of it. But, but, it's, <laughs> but really, our, pick, our uh, Whistle Boss Honey Brown now is really great with food. I mean, if, if we're doing a beer pairing with a chef, We always give them a taste of that beer because they say, wow, okay, let's figure out what we're going to pair that with because we know it's going to pair with something, you know, it goes across the spectrum as well. It's kind of roasty, toasty, but a little bit sweet. Mm -hmm. And so it can go with, um, it stands up to roasted meats or anything really savory. But again, you can also do it against cheeses. Um, it's probably a little bit less versatile than the, the Picnic Arc Pale Ale, but it's still just a great beer. It's also great to drink in a pint, too, by itself. So I, I love that beer. So I would say Whistle Boss Honey Brown is the beer. And I would pair it, if I had to choose something to pair it with, I'd probably pair it with... Um, See, I always defer to burger because it's quite easy. People know what that is. But I really it's almost any kind of uh burger any kind with of meat. and bacon. usually when yeah, usually when a chef says it, I'm like, Yes, that'd be great. That, yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> yep. And it usually is. We actually had one time I had I think we had it with a uh, a Chinese bao bun. So it had some um, barbecued pork in the middle. And then it had just a regular bao bun, which is kind like of a rice, little bit
1: rice flour, rice flour bun. It's a little soda. bit sweet
2: almost, and that beer was like perfect. I'm like, this, this is this works. So <laughs> I'll use that as my answer. How about that? <laughs> the favorites?
0: I'm pulling all the favorites out of you. Today. <laughs> yes, yeah. If
2: they can find, if we can find them.
0: Well, uh, that's that's pretty much all I all I had for questions. So I don't. If you guys have um, anything else to add, um, and
2: so I have a question for you. What's yeah. your favorite horse and dragon beer?
0: the sad panda is, oh nice it's okay definitely yeah. my favorite okay. um yeah yeah i always always keep a little bit in my fridge so. oh cool thanks oh, for yeah. Thank yeah. that yeah, yeah. yeah. thank
2: yeah. you for doing that our, all of our employees thank you as well <laughs> and i would say uh <laughs> you have
1: team, really I great um editing skills on time because we tend to ramble don't <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yes. get us
0: started talking no, about beer. It's, it's great uh, so uh <laughs> where, where can people learn more about horse and dragon or you guys what what you're up to uh
1: well, um, obviously anybody can come into the tasting room, um, give us a call. My, uh, my number is, the, is on the end of our f- phone message here. So if anybody wants to really wants to get in touch with us, that's a good way to do it. Or shoot us an email. I'm on the other end of info at okay. Go on our website um, cool. or follow us on social media. Although, as cool. I said, sometimes our posts don't go to everyone. So you kind of have to check in every now and then right. and just browse.
2: Yeah, so we're on we Facebook mainly, as well and as Instagram. Instagram. And Instagram okay. is Horse Dragon Brew. Right? Yeah, it's Horse the, Dragon
1: uh, Brew is um, Instagram. Instagram, man. Right?
0: Yeah. Great. Thanks, guys. Of uh, course. Thanks for taking the time.
2: No, thank you for having us. Uh, yeah. Good chatting with you.
0: Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed the conversation and felt it was valuable, it would mean the world to me if you would share the podcast or give the show a five-star rating. If not, well, that's okay, too. Thanks for listening.